Welcome to Swift Unwrapped, a weekly podcast about the Swift programming language and other projects at swift.org. I'm Jesse Squires. And I'm JP Smart. Before we dive in today, we'd love to thank BuddyBuild, who's sponsoring the show. They're a mobile continuous integration and delivery, crash reporting, and feedback platform all rolled into one, which just takes a few minutes to set up. Gone are the days of retrofitting your legacy infrastructure. You're constantly maintaining build scripts just to be able to build your app. Uh, Buddy Build just takes a few minutes to set up, and you can customize it easily to perfectly match your app's specific build requirements. Using Buddy Build, you can gain back the time that you've normally spent creating and maintaining your development pipeline to free you to focus on building the apps that your users will love. Uh, thousands of companies use Slack, like Slack, Meetup, and Firefox trust Buddy Build with their mobile development because it's the fastest, most reliable way to build, test, and release their Swift apps. So join them and the tens of thousands of developers already using BuddyBuild. You can try it for free today at BuddyBuild.com. Our thanks to BuddyBuild. All right. So today we're talking about everyone's favorite topic, compile times. Uh, Love compile times. Yeah. So great. They last so long. You can enjoy it, you know. You want to make it last? <laughs> yeah, make yeah. Make your comp- compilation last so you can savor it? Yeah. Yeah. So this has actually been an ongoing issue since Swift was first released. Compile times have always been, have always been slow, but they have been improving. And uh, since like the launch, people have been asking for ways to measure and diagnose why their, their apps are taking so long to compile. Uh, and there's that uh, pretty funny blog post around like the Swift 3 era titled, uh, Go Home Swift Compiler, You're Drunk. And it was written by a guy named Matt Nedrich on AtomicObject.com. And um, yeah, uh, at the time, uh, type inference was pretty slow, in particular with dictionaries. And so if you didn't have an explicit uh, type uh, annotation for a dictionary variable, it would take like ridiculously long uh, to type check. Uh, so the solution was to, you know, just add explicit types there. But then Joe Pamer came in and committed a fix for this. Uh, and the commit message was uh, sober up the Swift compiler. So that was a small win early on. But uh, here we are. I mean, early on, that was still Swift 3. I remember the, you know, early Swift pre 1.0 days and even post 1.0 days where uh, it was a strong argument. A strong argument to not use Swift just to improve your compile times, right? Right. You're saying, why would I move to Swift? You know, my Objective-C code compiles reliably, reliably predictably, and uh, quickly. Yeah. Um, and really, this is kind of the other side of, of Swift's whole philosophy of, hey, let's make this compiler smarter. Well, sometimes to make the compiler smarter, you need to give it more smarts and ask it to do more. Uh, And we still do this. We still ask it to do a lot more heavy lifting than we used to for, say, Objective-C or C. But, uh, you know, the situation's really improved, thankfully. And I think uh, with some of the things we'll talk about today, it will continue to improve because there are stakeholders who actually care about this and um, 
They're measuring it. They're dedicating time to fixing it. Uh, and we have the Swift Source Compat Suite now. Huge collection of real-life projects that they can use to profile these compiler times as well. Do you know if they automate actually testing not just is the source compatible, but does this have a com- compilation time regression? I'm not sure, but if any Swift compiler engineers are listening, that wink, might, wink. that would be uh, probably a good idea to reuse that uh, the source compat suite for, for that kind of stuff. I'm sure uh, someone's already thought of that if it's not already being done, but... Yeah, it might already be, uh, be happening. Uh, if not in an automated fashion, then maybe someone's just kind of running this uh, mm. locally on their machine when they're testing something that might have a performance regression. Uh, so far in my experience, I've seen the worst performance for me is with mixed projects. Um, with Pure Swift, it seems to be a little bit better, actually. Really? Yeah, or maybe that's just like the build system in general is like, I don't know, seems to often get like confused. I'll have some strange errors where like the build system can't find symbols or definitions um, and then just like hit command R again uh, or command B to rebuild and then it's fine. Yeah, the the worst cases, worst offenders that I've seen for um, compilation times is usually when uh, I'm just trying to be clever and avoid um, explicitly type annotating things or maybe... um, having expressions that are a little bit too complex. So even though uh, in in terms of number of characters and even legibility, um, something might be short if it's actually having nested expressions in there, like Mm -hmm. three or four nested expressions, like, you know, say an auto closure within a dictionary body, like it might read nicer than how I'm probably explaining it, but uh, the compiler starts to, to, take considerably more time there. And it, it does make sense when you understand a little bit how uh, the type checkers constraint solver works, where mm-hmm. you know it has to basically walk through a number of potential paths in order to identify which one is valid. Mm-hmm. Um, that when you start to have more and more forks like that, that, uh, that it's bound to explode in complexity. Um, so usually just kind of splitting those up into like individual variables um, or explicitly adding types usually helps the situation. This kind of brings us to uh, a post I wrote a little while ago about measuring these compile times uh, with these uh, different compiler flags. Um, Brian Iris and Soraj Kanlu uh, wrote about one of these flags before, which landed around like this somewhere around the Swift three ish time frame, somewhere in there. Yeah, Xcode eight uh, eight around. Yeah, um, and Jordan Rose added that uh, that very first flag, the worn long function bodies, and basically you, you just pass this a number like two hundred, and uh, any function that takes longer than uh, two hundred milliseconds to type check, uh, Xcode will emit a warning for you. Um, and then, just like you were saying for breaking things down, that's when you can go in and either add explicit type annotations or uh, break up complex expressions into multiple steps. It's worth noting, it's not just Xcode. It's the Swift compiler. Well, yeah. Uh, right. Which means that even if you're just doing a Swift PM project, that you can use this. Yeah, yeah. So you can pass this flag uh, on the command line as well. And it was always, um, in quotes, 
unsupported as a front end flag, although it's still there and it still works. Um, in Jordan's original message, he said, you know, this could be removed at any time without notice, but it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. But even if it does, it's not uh, a huge deal, I guess. Uh, hopefully, if it does, that means uh, you don't need it anymore because everything is perfect and fast. Or we need more complex tools <laughs> than just these flags <laughs> right. in order to or troubleshoot. The, yeah. Uh, but in any case, it seems like Jordan was mostly just covering his bases. Um, and by saying that it's unsupported, it's something that you know the community can use, but Apple has plausible deniability if they eventually want to cut it out. Right. So, you know, then they can say, well, we never promised that this would be in forever. Uh, And it doesn't, any changes to it doesn't need to go through Swift Evolution because it's not officially supported. So it's actually kind of nice. And I wish we um, had more of this where the barrier to, uh, to release like a helpful tool like this um, was, was low like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So then with, with Xcode 9, we saw uh, a, a new flag. Land is this landed before the official launch? Um, well, before we get to Xcode nine, do we want to sure. talk about the other flag that can be useful uh, other than Warren Long function bodies that was available before Xcode nine? There's a debug uh, function bodies. Oh, uh, I think that was the same thing. It just got renamed. No, to... actually. So Warren oh. Long function bodies takes in an argument. So it's that two hundred uh, right. number that you mentioned earlier. Okay, uh, and if any of your functions take less than 200 milliseconds, then they won't be logged. Uh, the debug function bodies flag does not take any parameters and it uh, will actually print out um, like tons and tons of logs for each individual function uh, and even sometimes things that aren't functions like variable getters and mm-hmm. implicit getters and things like that. And it will print out the number of milliseconds that those functions took. Right. So that's useful if you want to kind of get a general sense of all the functions, all the type checking happening in your entire app. Um, So, yeah, there are those two tools that were at your disposal uh, with Xcode 8. Right. I totally forgot about that one. Uh, Someone, I remember reading a blog post somewhere about someone who was using the debug function bodies flag and then spitting that output into a file and doing all this processing to to then like narrow down things that took a certain amount of time, like flagging really uh, long things. Yeah. But um, yeah, so that is uh, useful too, and that still works today, correct? Yeah, right. actually, all, all of these flags are, are still there yeah. uh, that we'll be talking about today. All right, so yeah, so back to the uh, Xcode 9. The new flag here is worn long, worn long expression type checking. The difference here is that this is actually in the uh, Xcode 9 release notes, which was kind of surprising to me, but I guess that's a good way to get more visibility on this. And I guess that means it is officially supported <laughs> if it's in the uh, official release notes, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, well, it's probably just that uh, they would announce that it breaks if ever it does. Sure. Um, so uh, I I wouldn't necessarily uh, accord too much faith uh, <laughs> yeah. this is going to be sticking around forever. Yeah. So this works similar similarly to the uh, the other flag, um, just for uh, more generally just for expressions. So you can add these two with a, a limit. And Mark Lacey added uh, this flag, and he seems to be doing a lot of work on the type checker performance, uh, actually. 
So if you search the uh, the Swift repo for um, type checker performance, you'll see a bunch of commits from him. So yeah, actually, just around um, just around a month ago, or m- yeah, a month and a half by the time you listen to this, uh, around mid-August, um, Mark added some validation tests, some type checker performance tests in the Swift repo. Uh, which is great because it means that they're paying attention to this. The Swift core team is paying attention to this. There are tests, they're automated, and these are, are super interesting in, in how they're laid out. There are some tests that are known to be fast, uh, and then there are tests that are known to be slow. And uh, at least for the for, for both of those, uh, they're automated tests to make sure that those don't regress too mm-hmm. much. And then there's also another type that's... Um, uh, within those fast and slow that are scale tests. So uh, not only does it test like exactly what's in that Swift file, um, there's also a scaling uh, uh, linearity component to this, where if you increase, you know, uh, n w- whatever n is, it uses uh, jib to auto generate uh, more complex structures from a from a basic starting point. But is it jib or gib? That's the question. <laughs> that's that's an exercise for listeners. <laughs> I'm not going to get into that. And so, yeah, these these seem pretty comprehensive, and uh, a few you know a few dozen tests have been added in the last few weeks. So uh, this is something where you, as part of the community, can also contribute. Where if you find uh, particularly bad cases um, of type checking, then uh, you could be adding these to the Swift repo and then they could have special attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks, Mark. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. Uh, There are also, there's some mailing list discussions a while back as well. Ben Asher, uh, who I work with now, actually, uh, was asking about uh, debugging slow compiler performance. Um, And it was Mark Lacey that replied with some tips and part of that was about using these flags, and then there's a little bit more discussion in there. Um, also, the debug time function bodies as well. So, yeah, hopefully we see uh, more work in this area. So, say you're using these flags and you identify um, a method or an expression that's taking a really long time to mm-hmm. type check. What do you do to fix that? Yeah, Uh the the first thing you can do is add explicit type annotations to like all the types that are there and rerun and see if that helps. It's basically, oh, the compiler can't or the compiler is having a hard time figuring out what these types are. So just tell it what they are. It's not as elegant or pretty, I guess. Um, I think the the quote swifty way to write code is to like omit types as much as possible. But I would say start there and then otherwise just start breaking things down into smaller steps. You know, into smaller distinct expressions. Yeah. So you don't have those nested expressions like I was uh, mentioning earlier. Yeah. And uh, so I added these to the plan grid code base and I started uh, very optimistically with 200 and compiled to see how that did. There are a few things that I could fix uh, pretty easily. I mean, there are quite a few errors though. And then I uh, just kept bumping the measurement, va- the threshold value um, until we things were like reasonable. And we landed at like 500. Um, just because it's legacy code base, it's a few years old. 
Um, even like the Swift code at this point is a few years old and it's been through a few migrations. You'll still see like some weird stuff where you can tell like the Swift migrator like generated that, uh, not a human. And so, yeah, we left it there. And then the goal is to kind of like try to decrease that over time. So like maybe one day I'll, I'll bump it down to like 450 and compile and then like try to fix any errors that come up uh, or any warnings. But yeah, I think it's just kind of something you chip away at over time. Yeah. So for SwiftLint's code base, uh, we had for a long time, for probably over a year, uh, we had the worn long function bodies with the threshold, I think, set to 150. Uh, and maybe we were able to keep it that low because it's pure Swift code base and because it's it's um, relatively small, probably compared to uh, to a large iOS app with legacy code. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, um, I just removed it a few weeks ago. So we had that baked into the Xcode Proj. And um, even though it was a useful tool when doing local development, um, occasionally, like one once in every 10 times, say, like CI would actually trip it up. And um, it was just becoming too much of a nuisance to have like builds that should otherwise pass. Because CI, usually, you know, if you're using Circle or Travis or... Uh, sometimes your own uh, company's own CI system, oftentimes macOS is running in a virtual machine. And so it's already slower, or it, even if it's not a virtual machine, it might be running on like some sort of Mac mini from 2012. Right. Um, so when they were last updated, burn. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> the brand new Mac mini is from four years ago, five years ago. Uh, so um you know, maybe you you want to either be uh, very conservative when you're setting these numbers to make sure that you don't have like a pathological case where it takes five seconds to type check a single expression. Mm-hmm. Um, or you might just want to have maybe like some separate target uh, that you're using for your CI versus your uh, developer's machines. Anyway, you can play with this. Uh, it's just something to watch out for. Yeah. Yeah, you could probably do something with like XC configs uh, to like not run these on yeah. CI. Yeah, whatever. absolutely. Yeah. Um, a few other tips uh, that I've encountered to uh, improve compile times. Mm-hmm. Um, so say you have long strings and you use the plus operator to concatenate them. Uh-huh. Um, well, just That's that, the best way to do it. <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> well, you know, if you're not on Swift 4 yet and can't use multi-line string literals, which is a solution to this problem. Um, what I've done in the past, which is terrible, is to uh, have an explicitly typed string uh, or array of strings and then do um, uh, joined mm. you know, with uh, with the empty string. So uh, that's one way to do it where um, the compiler doesn't have to uh, doesn't have to resolve what version of the plus operator is being applied like maybe a dozen times or a hundred times, right? If you have long strings. Right. Uh, another thing you can do is to use like template files for these strings where, um, you know, if you, you can store the string in a separate file uh, and then load it up with string contents of file or you, if you need interpolation in there, you do like string replacement, like a, like a template file. Mm-hmm. So those are all things to to help improve if you're having type checking trouble with with strings, sometimes strings with lots of interpolation. Uh, Another good way to uh, improve compile times is just to delete the code that's slow. (laughs) Uh, And then just keep deleting it. 
until you're left with <laughs> until, an empty shell of an app. Yeah, until there's no more code. And then <laughs> problem solved. All right. Thanks for that very useful tip, Jesse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for the, the new flag, though, the uh, expression time flag, uh, we set that to 300 in plan grid for now. Um, and we'll, so that we were able to uh, basically just add that, fix a few things and um, say, okay, we'll stick with this for now. And then we'll fix things that pop up. But um, yeah, slowly chipping away. That's great. Yeah. Hopefully this stuff is no longer necessary in the near future. Uh, maybe Swift 5 or Swift 6 or something. Um, yeah, I have to say that um, the Swift teams made huge strides on this and that uh, now it seems to me just um, qualitatively that uh, you can expect a Swift app to compile in about the same time that an Objective-C app would have compiled when Swift first came out three years ago. Um, uh, just about. And of course, you know, especially if you measure and you try to improve those like pathological cases in your app, the ones that take 15 seconds to compile a single function. Yep. If you if you take a small amount of time and you really address the worst offenders, you'll get, uh, in my experience, an app that compiles pretty quickly. Oh, I almost forgot when I um, so when I first added the Warn Long function bodies flag to the plan grid code base, uh, there was one area where something was taking. Um, like 15,000 milliseconds, milliseconds yeah. uh, which I guess is 15 seconds, Yeah. also known as 15 seconds. Uh, that's uh, how math works. Or right. as, as most of us would say, a quarter of a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what caused this was, uh, so if a type is equatable, you define your equal function. Yeah, your equal, equal function. And prior to, I don't know, there's some change, uh, some Swift evolution proposal that allowed you to define these static functions in an extension on the type instead of just having a free function. Um, and there was some lingering like free function for this type that was equatable that wasn't uh, like, I don't know, namespaced as a static function. Right. They were top the, level functions. Yeah. Yeah. And that was uh, the culprit, I think, with a couple other minor things. Um, but then changing that fixed the uh, the warning for uh, the compile time for this uh, function or expression where these two types were being checked for equality. Yeah. I've heard that operators um, are, are particularly bad um, yeah. in terms of performance in the Swift compiler because... Uh, the Swift compiler has to try and uh, see if all of the different overloads of that that operator would apply, uh, and then it has to keep that in you know a list of potential cases until it's fully type checked uh, and only one remains, or yeah. maybe there's an ambiguous case even. Right. So then putting this in an extension of that type just helps resolve that faster? Is that I think the, so, yeah, yeah. I think that basically makes it take a shortcut where it'll check that one first. Got it. And then it's like, oh, this is it. And then that's... That's right. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and really um, solving the constraint solver problem is uh, an NP hard problem. Right. 
and you can't really improve it in all cases and you know, make it linear time or constant time all the time. Yeah. But there's a lot that you can do to help take shortcuts for a lot of the common cases and maybe even, you know, 99% of real world code that people would be writing. Yeah. Um, so this is where having specific examples and especially ones that are in the automated perf tests where mm-hmm. there's regression testing happening is a great way to make sure that uh, the code that people write in real life is well covered. Right. So that's homework for the listeners. Uh, that's just about all we had to say. Um, we'd like to thank BuddyBuild for sponsoring the show again. Uh, BuddyBuild's a continuous integration platform. You can check that out at BuddyBuild.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at SimJP. You can find me at Jesse underscore Squires and the show at Swift underscore Unwrapped. And if you have a second, please leave us a review on iTunes. And finally, if you want to chat with us, you can check us out at uh, spectrum.chat slash specfm slash swift dash unwrapped. Thanks for listening.